Hi, everyone. Before we start the episode, I have a bit of good news and a favour to ask. First, the good news. One Decision has been selected as a finalist for the first annual Signal Listener's Choice Award in the category Best Conversation Starter. And now, the favour. We need your vote. Please head over to our Twitter page, at OneDecisionPod, to vote now. The deadline to vote is December 22nd, and the episode in the running was Lithuania and the Two Goliaths, the tiny Baltic nation taking on Russia and China. Without further ado, let's start the show. You're listening to One Decision, the podcast that looks at the choices made that shape us all. I'm your host, Julia McFarlane. As we come to the end of 2022, it's become clear that it was, as it increasingly seems these days, another momentous year of decisions and news affecting us all. For our annual end-of-year review, we invited friends of the podcast and fellow journalists Anne McElvoy of The Economist, Prashant Rao from new startup Semaphore, and Bloomberg TV's Maria Tadeo to mull over the stories of the year and the results of a survey we commissioned for 100 journalists around the world on what were the biggest decisions of 2022. The results showed some expected and unexpected results, and you can hear that full episode on our main page, wherever you get our podcasts. However, we also wanted to give some space to the important decisions of 2022 that flew under the radar. Decisions that were made, such as that by the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, to declare that the efforts to conserve a 1.5 degree of global warming was now essentially dead. Decisions also that are yet to be made, but must be soon, such as the decision to respond to the growing and devastating crisis in Eastern Africa following years of drought and plague. Amid the many big geopolitical stories of the year that impacted multiple nations, we've also had a number of noteworthy general elections, which also merited further discussion. For this special episode, we turned over the mic to our colleagues for what their takes were on the underreported decisions of 2022, those made and those still to be made, which affect us all. This is the perpetual challenge of climate journalism and climate coverage is, you know, people that is heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking, but also, you know, <laughs> voters, uh, you know, it's the kind of diffuse decision that's really hard to galvanize a coalition around. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I think like it's one of the difficulties of journalism in general and also this kind of analysis is the kind of slow boil stuff um, gets sort of cast aside to some degree. You know, you could equally say um, issues such as like debt in developing countries is a burgeoning problem that's only going to get worse. Um, I mean, the climate crisis is the classic problem that is not revolving around one decision. We could talk about COP27 and its failure or otherwise, but the lack of decision. But we had this year two huge examples of climate change wreaking havoc. One of them was Pakistan and the other was in Baghdad, where where you were based. Extraordinary scenes and then protests uh, in Baghdad because of the incredible heat wave and the fact that the the people there had, the government was just not not prepared to withstand those kinds of conditions and the people were suffering. I mean, I, I recall being in Baghdad, I mean, this is not to downplay it, but this is also, you know, a long running kind of issue. When I was in Iraq, the government would declare heat days because it was just too hot to go into the um, go into work and you'd get sort of showers on the I mean actually businesses would set up showers on the side of the street where you could just douse yourself because it was just too hot and you just needed to douse yourself in water and you know if you had a shower after sort of seven in the morning you would be showering in hot water regardless of what you whether you wanted cold water or not Um, so this is actually you know it's it's to some degree as with much of the climate crisis um, parts of the world wake up to it at various points but this has been going on for quite some time uh, Pakistan is another example. Bangladesh, you know, has been dealing with these kinds of floods for years. Um, 
I, I'm not at all sceptical about the target or at all about man-made climate change, but I must say the fact that we're sort of sitting almost kind of a little bit wringing our hands, I don't just mean round this table, but I think that's a sort of view, if you like, in the journalistic community and if, in uh, lots of progressively-minded people is, why aren't you guys listening? I think that as far as many people are concerned, apart from the full bandwidth for the reasons that we've talked about on this podcast, they're constantly being told that now you see this thing has happened in Pakistan, this really bad thing has happened in Baghdad, but that is not most people's lived experience and this is something that campaigners are going to have to take on board. We had a heatwave in the UK which lasted a magisterial 48 hours in which the national broadcaster said, oh, hey, you know, now you're going to get it. So we had, have you now got the message about climate change? To which, frankly, if everyone's being blunt, most people went, well, it was a really hot day and I probably took the day off work and sat outside, if you're lucky enough to sit in a garden or a balcony, in the evening. But no, the lesson they took away was not that this was an urgency and that they must tune into COP. And until somehow people who are putting across this message are more cognizant of the fact that it's not landing with the broader public the way they want it to, they will keep making the same mistakes in the way that they communicate. And for a lot of people, I would say, especially, uh, and this is maybe, you know, your West privilege, but in the context of a war of energy bills, uh, you, you just you don't care. I mean, we're burning coal. Well, let's burn coal. We have to burn nuclear bag. Let's do nuclear bag. I mean, I've heard from a number of officials in, in Brussels who say, yeah, we're burning coal. So what? There's a war going on in, in Europe. To me, that's the number one thing. I mean, it's very rough to say, but it, it's it's changed everything, this this war. I think the conversation is also immediately, you know, flipped on that. When you look at COP, I remember in the last edition, I mean, everyone was there for three days, like giving a huge, a massive speech. This time around, I mean, Macron was there for what? Five hours? Then left, then had to go to the G20, where, by the way, it was completely overshadowed by this uh, almost enormous world war three crisis scenario i mean i think it's it's a, this is this is the thing it's completely changed everything i want to throw this one into the mix the one thing i thought deserved a lot more attention than it got was the uh the plague and the drought um across africa and the at the moment there are swarms of locusts uh, sweeping across south sudan which is already reeling from widespread hunger and years of civil war these locusts uh which uh, according to the un can travel up to 95 miles a day and eat their own body weight in greenery, meaning that one swarm, uh, just one square kilometer, can, can eat as much food as 35,000 people in a single day. They've gone from uh, Uganda, Kenya, Somalia, uh, Eritrea uh, and Djibouti, and they're also uh, battling um, uh, unprecedented drought as well. I mean, that fits into the climate story as well, the kind of like changing populations, um, migratory patterns having to shift. I mean, I would say the one thing about the sort of war is it does see, you know, the IEA this, you know, uh, sort of in December is sort of revised up its um, projections for renewables installation by the most it's ever revised it up. And they attribute that to the war. The fact is, a lot of these countries are realizing that um, actually, you know, reliance on Russian gas or gas anywhere from outside is a national security issue. It's not simply a climate change issue. Um you know, I recall back in the old sort of new labor days, um, David Miliband, when he became foreign secretary, saying that uh, climate only succeeds when it stops being the issue that's run by the climate secretary and starts becoming an issue when it's a foreign secretary or prime minister who takes charge. And functionally, when climate, when we, you know, when it becomes clear, as multiple national security reports have said, that climate's a national security issue, it's an economic issue, it's not an issue, you know, though 
Obviously, it is an issue of, you know, ice caps melting simply. It is an issue of people losing their livelihoods, of um, people having to move across borders um, against their will. That, you know, that is the kind of thing that I think increasingly will start influencing people's decisions in um, how they how they vote, how they um, how they behave, that kind of thing. Can I just chip in one thought about, uh, very pleased you mentioned that Africa story, terrifying uh, story, probably largely neglected or at least not high up in, in the headlines is the plight of a lot of sub-Saharan Africa at the moment. And for me, the underplayed story of the year is migration and the ongoing impacts and indeed the intensification. We see it here in the UK about the argument about what to do about the small boats and uh, those who are uh, coming in to claim asylum outside the, the, the correct system for, for doing so. But the fact that it's proving incredibly hard to stop and I speak to politicians of all stripes about this and they all agree when they're not just trying to not lumps out of the other, that it's very, very hard indeed. This is not going to go away. And what we're seeing in Africa often feeds through and feeds through into the instability in the democracies and directly into our politics. So that to me is another, it's a bit like climate change. It's one of those slow burn stories, which is really making and remaking the world and the politics that we're living and with. And massive diplomatic spat between the French, the Italians oh, yeah. two weeks ago. Also, it's an interesting story how Giorgio Meloni, I mean, perhaps because I, 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 I been to Italy so many times. I'm, I'm, I'm so engaged in this drama. I did the election. I was surprised, of course, that it perhaps maybe, you know, it deserved more attention. First female prime minister uh, of Italy. Of course, we all know the narrative going into this election. This was a return of, uh, you know, this new form of fascism. I think what we see now is that in a way it's very difficult to box her. It's very difficult to figure out who this woman is. You know, she's she run a, a very smart campaign at home where she just like rattled the points of play well. But internationally, she is in it for Ukraine. She wants a good relationship with the United States. And in Brussels, we were expecting an earthquake. And instead we had... Well, a very nice lady. You know, showed up, uh, Giorgia Maloney, hello, here I am, and, and I don't want any issues with anyone. And the only one that she's had, funnily enough, going back to your point, was migration, is what to do with migration. I think Giorgia Maloney is really interesting, and I'm very pleased that you mention him in those terms, because I think we get a bit prone, and it's understandable because of the Trump years, because of the split now between the West and Russia under Putin is so absolute boxing people in thing. I know what kind of politician this is, and perhaps a little bit in the minor way here in the UK of people who said, that Boris Johnson, he took us out of the EU, therefore he's not going to want us to be involved in world affairs, which I think is untrue. But I think it speaks to the fact that there are going to be many kinds of politician who mix it up. Mm -hmm. And I think we will also see a lot more in inverted commas, reasonable, even progressive politicians taking a leaf out of populist playbooks. So that you have Nigel Farage over there on the naughty step. But at the same time, you can have someone like a Maloney who channels some of that rhetoric and then turns up, as you said, I like the idea of a nice lady turning up. In, I like to think with a That's big, what she said. She with said, a we're big not... panettone. You know, I... here you go. I'm actually really nice. I brought a panettone. Now can we get down but, to business? But also, you know, the term lady, I mean, I'm not sure if I even like use of this, but, I, but, but the reason why I said it is I, I, I spoke to a contact of mine who was in one of the meetings there uh, the day she decided my first visit outside of Italy uh, will be Brussels. And this person told me she was a nice lady. So uh, I'm like, okay, so she's a nice lady. At the same time, she also said, you know, I'm not a Martian. I'm, I'm, I'm not 
that strange. I'm, we're not going to be that different. So she's very difficult to read and she's very hard to box. So I guess, yes, you're right. The lines have become very blurred. I'm really interested to see who emerges next year on this model. We've got to lose this idea. You know, we put the goodies over there, the baddies over there. And some people talk in this way. Therefore, they're progressives. They use these words. Therefore, they're not. And at the same time, you know, mustn't lose sight of the fact that there is right and wrong. This has been a special episode of One Decision, looking at the year in important decisions, choices that have been made and choices still to come. If you enjoyed this episode, do subscribe to us so you never miss a show. We drop new podcasts every Thursday. And if you're feeling generous, do give us your vote. We've been shortlisted for the Signal Listener's Choice Awards for Best Conversation Starter for our episode earlier this year on Lithuania, taking on the two Goliaths of Russia and China. Head on over to our Twitter page at OneDecisionPod for the link to vote. We'll put it in our show notes as well. For me and the team, thank you so much for being with us. See you next week.